What's going on, ladies and gents? Robert Sykes, KetoSavage.com, and today I have a special guest, me, on the line. Um, I actually <laughs> recorded a business talk, business lecture that I did at the University of Central Arkansas a couple weeks ago, and I'm stripping that audio and putting it into a podcast format. It's also going to be a YouTube video available to watch on YouTube if you so choose. This is going to be a little bit different than most of the content I put out. This is not really talking directly about the ketogenic diet and nutrition, but more so about the business aspect of how I've created, uh, you know, Keto Brick, the different business ventures that I've got established, uh, some of the the trials and tribulations I've had along the way of building a business. So I feel very blessed of of what all I've learned in this process. I feel very proud of how far Crystal and I have come together as a team, and I'm excited to be able to have the opportunity to present that to this this uh, this class, the University of Central Arkansas, and hopefully offer them some insight into what path they can take from a business standpoint going forward. So like I said, this is different than most of the content I'm putting out, but if you have a business mind, if you're curious to kind of hear some more of the backstory, by all means, sit back, relax, hope you learned something, enjoy this podcast. All right, right, everybody. Hey, good afternoon. I'm John Jones, Vice President Vice President of Public Relations with the Private Equity and Venture Capital Club. Uh, show of hands, who was here last last time we had a speaker? Alex Ray here. Okay, a couple of you guys. Um, today we're gonna have Robert Sykes. He's one of my good good childhood friends. He uh, he graduated from the University of Arkansas with a degree in business finance, and he went on to get recruited to go work in Washington for one of the biggest railroad companies there called Burlington Northern Santa Fe, BNSF. Yeah, so very prestigious job, especially to get it right out of right out of college. Like huge opportunity. Um, he worked there for a while. He ended up quitting. He went on to. He always had a business mind. We both had when we were both young. Uh, actually, he had. A, we both have a huge passion for the outdoors. And he said, "Chris, that's all my friends call me." He said, "Chris, I want to go live in Alaska with a hatchet." I said, "F that, man. We're becoming billionaires." Well, behind the scenes, I didn't really realize. Well, Robert took that idea and just totally blew it up and ran with it. So, I'm not a billionaire yet, though. Not yet. Not, not yet. yet. He's definitely on his way. I'm super excited to have him talk to you. He's definitely one of the hardest working people I know, if not the hardest. And what I want you guys to take away from this club is, you know, we learn a lot of things while we're here in school. And when they kick us out that door after graduation, we all step out in the world. We're exactly the same. We're all molded exactly the same. We all learn the same thing. Nothing makes us different. So. What we learn when we have these guest speakers come in is what sets you apart from the normal person who graduates from college. And every single day that you wake up, life is a competition. <clears throat> I don't care if someone told you life wasn't a competition, it is. Whether you show up here and someone sits next to you in class to take a test, he's trying to make a better grade than you are. When you're applying for a job, that person does not care about you. They're trying to get that job over you. Every single thing in life is a competition. So the only way to set yourself apart is to do something completely different than what everyone else is doing. And the farther you are different, the more set apart you are and the higher you'll succeed. And that's what I want everyone to take away out of this club is the knowledge that you don't learn while you're in school that you can learn from entrepreneurs like Robert. So without further ado, let me turn it over to my buddy Robert. Looking forward to it, man. Hello, hello, hello. Uh, I apologize up front here. I lost my voice this morning. So perfect. What happened on the day I had to speak. Um, as Chris said, I'm Robert. Uh, we we know each other since 11th grade, is that what you said earlier, 11th grade? And it's absolutely true. I was going to be a mountain man in Alaska with a pocket knife and a hatchet. And he's like, I don't know how the conversation started, but he's like, I want to be a, a millionaire, a billionaire, and we could buy whatever guns and stuff we want. So I'm like, okay, that sounds like a good idea. I'll do it. I'm going to beat him to that goal, though. Um, so I feel like, like he was talking to me. We were talking about what would be the most value add for, for y'all. And I graduated in 2014. University of Arkansas with a degree in finance, and I feel like a lot of times in the university setting, they you go through all these classes, they tell you how to do these things, and then you get out in the real world, and it's like not really applicable in a lot of ways, or you have speakers come, and these speakers are like already on the upper echelon, and they're telling you all this good stuff, but it's like hard to really relate and grasp what, what they're saying and like actually apply it because it's just a whole other universe. So I figure what I do is I'll tell you exactly what I did from the point I graduated college to where I am now, and then we can like do a bunch of questions. I like that it's kind of a smaller group setting because then we can just dive into whatever questions y'all may have and kind of 
you know, just be super relaxed with it all. Uh, so, rewind back to 2014 when I graduated, we had a career fair. Um, and I went to this career fair, it's the first one I've ever been to. I think I had like one semester left of, of college, my senior year. And they had all these different companies there. I'm sure y'all probably have career fairs here. And Burlington Northern Santa Fe was there. My grandfather was with the railroad. So I'm, like, I'm just going to go to the railroad as well. You know, I'll throw in my application, see if it sticks, see what happens. And it was a pretty rigorous hiring process. Like I had this online interview, which I passed. Then there was like this big, you know, multi-panel interview. We have to go into Texas and they quiz you. You're up against all these people. And then they put you in a nice hotel and make it look all fancy. And the whole time I'm like seeing dollar signs, like this is going to be awesome. I can get this. So I got the offer and I accepted it. And I'm like, I'm going to leverage this to be like the, the foundation I need to get some capital and start investing into my own thing. Because originally we were going to be like roughnecks or something on the oil field, I think. Yeah. And that fell through and I'm like, okay, I'm going to be a railroader instead. So I was a manager of like 650, you know, crew workers. And I was management and their union. There's a pretty big like discrepancy. I mean, the management union doesn't really get along in the railroad and they're always just button heads. Like even the top management, they're not happy. The union people are never happy. Like nobody's ever happy. They could have the best situation on earth and they just wouldn't be happy. And I saw this, I'm like, I'm not passionate about the railroad. I don't want to be unhappy. And if I'm, even if I like go to the very top of the ladder and I'm still unfulfilled in life, what's the point? So I was trying to like find a way out of the railroad. So I decided I was going to get into real estate. And I started reading all these books on real estate investment. Started doing all these, listening to all these podcasts on real estate investment. And I decided I was going to become a real estate agent so I'd have access to the MLS so that I could see what properties would be good deals. And I was going to take the money from the railroad and invest that in real estate. <clears throat> and I did that. I got my real estate license while I was with the railroad. I found a property. I partnered up with another guy that was on the railroad. And we're like, okay, we're both going to just go in and be real estate moguls together. And we found this property. It was like a fourplex. And we decided to you know, get financing from the bank, take the money we had saved, and start building up apartment complexes, basically. And I uh, got a letter from the railroad that said, you've been promoted. you got to go to Wyoming, Gillette, Wyoming, to fulfill this new promotion. And I'm like, well, I just got my real estate license in Washington, which is where I was stationed. And I just found this apartment. I don't know if the railroad got wind that I was trying to get into real estate and trying to like veer me away from my plans or what. But I said, no, screw you. I'm going to do my thing. And that's all there's to it. And they basically said, OK. You don't get your promotion. You either take it or you're gone. So I'm like, all right, I'm gone. So I quit the railroad or got fired, however which way you want to look at it. And uh, I prefer quit on my own terms, you know. Um, and there I was in Washington State. That's where I was stationed with the railroad. I've been working there for two years. I had met Crystal in Washington State. Um, she was uh, working at a coffee stand as a barista two blocks out from the house that I'd purchased when I first got on with the railroad. And so I'm in a relationship, kind of, with her. I'd never done the relationship thing before because I'd always told myself as a kid, I got to get established in business. I got to build my billions before I ever get involved with a woman or else they're going to just be a distraction. So I kind of like didn't really know how to do this whole relationship thing. Her and I were always fighting. I was always like talking to her, then not talking to her. And then I quit my job at the railroad, so I don't have any money, yet I've got this mortgage on the house. So I've got $30,000 in student loan debt from the university. I got $155,000 in debt from this mortgage, and I don't have a job, so I start racking up all this credit card debt. Before you know it, I'm $30,000 in credit card debt, and I think I counted it all up one day. I owed my buddy $10,000 for the real estate stuff. I owed like $265,000 or something crazy, <clears throat> and uh, I got really depressed. Like, I got really depressed because I don't have a relationship that's really worth a damn with my significant other. I'm losing all my friends. He's down here in Arkansas calling me up like, Rob, when you come down to the farm, we got to drink some beer. And I'm like, man, I'm broke. I can't do that. I can't do anything. I can't have friends. So let's not be friends until I get this stuff figured out. Told Crystal I couldn't talk to her for three months. I told her I couldn't talk to her ever again and then just wound up being three months. Um, and then I started trying to like figure out business, like really figure out business. So I started, you know, reading every book I can get my hands on. I read Four Hour Work Week. You all ever read Four Hour Work Week, Tim Ferriss? Anybody ever read that? It's a good one. Totally changed the way I thought about business. Um, I started listening to more podcasts on real estate. So I started doing everything I could to try and make money. And then I started trying to 
work every odd end job that I could. At one point, I was working four or five jobs. I was a front desk at Gold's Gym. Um, I was doing like remote accounting work for my buddy back here in Arkansas. I was up in Washington and I was doing, trying to build my own business, trying to do all this stuff. I got really depressed and life was just not, I was like suicidal, like it was not, not pretty. Um, and then I'm like, something's got to change. So one day I walked out in the woods, I was like meditating, you know, watching the sun go down. And I'm like, all right, Robert, what am I passionate about? Where can I add more value in this world? And what can I do that I feel good about? Where can I find fulfillment? So I thought about my life, what I was interested in. I was interested in fitness. I was interested in nutrition. At this time, the keto diet had come into my life. I've been doing keto for five years now. At the time, it was just, I don't know, six months or a year. It had a profound impact on my health. I'm like, I'm passionate about that, and I'm passionate about business. Also, right about this time, I started getting into Gary Vaynerchuk. You all know Gary Vaynerchuk and his stuff? So he totally shifted about how I thought about business. And he kept saying about all this like long game, like find something, just dig deep into it and build a brand around that. So I'm like, all right, that's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna take all these passions of mine, all these things that I think I have an ability to add value in, and I'm gonna reverse engineer my ideal day, my ideal life, what I wanna live on a day-to-day -day basis into a business. So I started doing that. So I listened to, to Gary Vee, read his book, Crush It, and he was always talking about social media. You know, you got to build a brand up by playing the long game. You know, every single communication opportunity you have, shooting people DMs, getting on podcasts, making a podcast, making YouTube videos, doing all this stuff. And this was so far removed from anything that I learned in college because I went to school. I was in the school for like commercial banking classes. I was in school for like, you know, business finance, going to be on Wall Street. Um, just a whole bunch of like stocks, bonds, all this stuff that like seemed like a totally different conversation than making a YouTube channel and podcasting. I'm like, I don't know how these two come together. So I'm like, I'm just going to put that on hold and really just dive deep in this Gary Vaynerchuk stuff. So I'm like, okay, I'm broke. I'm working four jobs. I'm on the rocks with Crystal. I don't have any friends anymore. I'm going to start podcasting and start making YouTube videos, but I don't know how to do either. So let's just dive in. So. I've got like this little closet in my house in Washington. I got a black beach towel as my backdrop. I'm trying to make YouTube videos with my phone and I'm recording on some like cheap thing from Walmart and I'm just laughing at myself all the while. I spend three hours a day watching YouTube videos, learning how to edit a YouTube video that would then take me three hours to edit so that three people could watch it. Like playing the long game and trying to like really build up your subscriber base and put content out there that people want to see, want to listen to is a very doom and gloom process at the beginning because nobody knows who you are, nobody gives a shit who you are because they don't know who you are. And having that like focus and desire to keep pushing through that when nobody's listening was probably the hardest thing I've ever done as far as business is concerned. But I'm glad I did it because lo and behold, I started getting some momentum. Started having people listen to my podcast. I started having subscribers on my YouTube channel. I started having people you know, hit me back up on Instagram. I started gaining some credibility in the bodybuilding space in tandem with keto nutrition. Um, so I started bodybuilding with keto, which was very removed from what anybody else had been doing. And then I think I just timed the market really well by accident because it wasn't on purpose. But you hear about certain opportunities, you know, in business where like this is just hot right now. Well, keto's been hot for past several years. I mean, if you look at, you know, Google Trends, you can see keto diet just spike. And I was getting into this right as it was spiking. So I started putting out all this content. I started doing, you know, the bodybuilding with keto. That was totally outlandish, but it got a lot of attention. And then I've got all these people hitting me up asking for coaching. People listening to my podcast. So I, rec I recognized that this was my thing. This was my calling. I was felt passionate about it. I was getting emails about how something I had said had positively influenced somebody's life, and I felt good about that. So I started really just diving deep into content creation. Uh, now. I've got, I just published my, I think, 207th podcast episode, and my podcast has got over a million downloads, I think. I don't know. I don't really look at the statistics. Um, none of my platforms are that big, like my Instagram. I mean, there's people that have, like, millions of followers. I don't have that many followers compared to them. But the followers I do have are incredibly loyal because they look back and they can watch the videos. They can listen to the podcast when I had nothing. I was recording in my closet with a black beach towel, and that gives them some kind of brand loyalty to me because they saw where I came from. 
you got all these people now buying followers and just doing all these shortcuts and trying to play the algorithm. That may last for a little bit, but it's, it's shallow. It's not, it's not deep, and you don't get any brand loyalty with that. So if you've listened to any of Gary Vaynerchuk stuff, this is all sounding familiar because it's all like really come from him, been influenced by him. But there's just so many different ways to make money in business. There's a lot of different ways to skin a cat, so to speak. What I did, how I went about it, is a very long game approach, but it's one that I can feel good about. And if you, if you have a good product, a good service, you're passionate about it, and you document the journey of how you've come to this conclusion that this is something that you want to do, then you can find people that also agree with that, also resonate with that, and that is going to be much deeper, much stronger, much more loyal than anything you can do surface level. So that's like a super high level view of where I've come from over the past few years. You know, fast forward today, I got Krista, who's now my wife. I broke that three month not talking to her streak. I now still got a friend in Chris, and life is good. I'm happy. Like, I literally wake up every single day, three o'clock in the morning, I train hard, I, um, and I switch gears and start doing business stuff. You know, I've got employees now. We've got, uh, how many employees do we got now? five, six, I think. Um, we've had to hire and fire a few people. We can talk about that too. Um, so I just love life now. I mean, it sounds like really cliche, but everything that I'm doing on a day-to-day -day basis is what I reverse engineered, you know, three years ago when I was sitting out there in the woods meditating. And I look at what I'm doing now and the impact I'm making now. And it's like, I'm mostly talking about keto to people. Cause that's like my specialty. It's like the brand itself. But I really want to empower people to find their thing and build a business and a lifestyle around it that can sustain them the kind of life they want to live because there's, there's no way to put forth great work, truly inspiring, momentous work if you're not passionate about what it is you're doing. And if you don't have any passion towards what it is you're doing, you're, you're never going to break through that tier and be the best you possible. And life is fine. I'm like, you're all going to be dead someday. I'm not, we almost got in a wreck this morning driving here. <laughs> like It was kind of scary. You know, so like I'm I can honestly say that I could literally have died today and not have died with regret because the life that I'm living now is 100% on par with the life I want to be living. And it's not, I'm not satisfied yet, but I'm content. I'm, I'm excited about where I'm going because I'm going up and I know I'm going up because the people that I have following me, the audience that I've built, the deep loyal group that I've, I've built over the past three years is there for the long haul. And I'm excited to keep adding value to them. So I want to kind of just like, make just go with this whole like laid back vibe and kind of do a bunch of questions um so that's just kind of like quick intro on me so what, what do you think chris just like dive into some questions like specific yeah, tactics no. <coughs> um explain to us how you started keto brick how it was how it was found where that all began and um keto brick kind of stuff and also, before that, tell us all the businesses that you have. I don't even think I remember them all. Um, I tried making an Amazon store. Uh, so I, I don't remember what book it was that I read or what podcast. But I tried to do, uh, like, fulfillment by Amazon and, like, just find a, uh, like, wholesale supplier and then market parks under my brand and put them on Amazon. And uh, what was the name of that company? The company name was Steamworks LLC, and the brand name was Modern Man Outfitter. And our goal was to sell backpacks, knives, and flashlights. And I just paid the franchise tax on the other day. It was like three years expired because I totally forgot about the company. Um, so I had to pay a whole bunch of late fees. But that was just a bust because I tried taking a shortcut. I tried like just doing something that was super superficial and you know, buy from a wholesaler, mark as my own brand, and just flip it. Which is, there's just a lot of people that do that and have success with it, but there's just no passion in that. And it was doomed to fail from the onset. Um, so that was one. The real estate company was a bust. I was in Washington, and I didn't know anybody in Washington, so being a real estate agent when you don't know anybody is really hard. Um, and then I had basically lost all my financing for that fourplex because I quit the railroad, and the bank said, You're, you don't have a job, so that we're not going to finance you for a, an apartment. Um, so the real estate company was a bust. There's been, there's been a whole bunch of them. Like I'd, I'd, I've done a little bit of everything. Um, but the keto brick business, that one stuck. So. Basically, if you look at my business now, I've got Savage Sports LLC as the conglomerate parent company. That's the LLC. From that, I've got multiple DBAs, so doing business as fictitious business names, basically. One of which is Keto Savage. That's where I do all my 
my one-on-one -on -one coaching, my client consultations, uh, my speaking engagement, stuff like that. And then Keto Brick is another DBA. Keto Brick is our meal replacement bar. That was formed out of accident, honestly. Like I, when I did my last competition in 2017, I was needing a shelf-stable meal replacement bar that had the right macronutrient ratio that I needed that would just make hitting the macros and, and being more um, you know, consistent with my nutrition for this competition easier. So I made this, this product right here. And this is not as pretty as it was at the beginning. There's several first generation products and most of them looked pretty, pretty bad. Um, just big blobs, keto blobs. Um, and I had it on a YouTube video. Like I was you know, documenting the whole process and I had it on a YouTube video, never thought anything of it. I was like, oh, this is just some, somebody was asking in the comments, you know, what is that? Where can I buy it? Where can I get it? And I'm like, oh, no, it's just nothing, just something that I'm playing around with. And then my mom actually was watching my videos, and she's like, Robert, you got to start selling these things. People are asking about them left and right. So I'm like, ah, I don't, I don't want to entertain that idea. I never wanted to have a physical product. I wanted to be able to work from my computer, sitting on a beach somewhere drinking my ties, and never have to worry about having overhead. And now that I have a whole bunch of overhead, I'm, I love it. Like, I freaking love every minute of it. Um, but Crystal, my mom, just everybody that was on the comments and YouTube, they compelled me to start, you know, looking at this as a viable product. So that's what we did. Crystal and I were in Fayetteville at the time. We were in Washington when we made the bricks, but we actually made it into a business when we moved back down to Arkansas. And we were, we were broke, y'all. <laughs> There's some pretty funny stories. And the funny thing is you can go back and watch the older videos. Like, we literally didn't have anything to our name. I had this old truck that I've had since I was a junior in high school. I built this big-ass plywood box on the back of it, and we threw everything that we owned in that plywood box and drove, I don't know, however many miles that is, with her, me, and her little chihuahua that's 11 years old. <coughs> and uh, had all kinds of car problems all along the way. But we put that on video, too. Like, people can go back and see all the stuff that we had to deal with. So we get to Fayetteville, and we're starting to make this product. And I don't have a clue about owning a product business, much less a, a food product business, because then you have to worry about health law, you know, what, what makes it legitimate for health concern. You've got allergens in there. There's a lot that goes with owning a food product. But we just dove into it. You know, I, I met with my accountant, uh, set up a QuickBooks online account, started building that website, taught myself how to do website design. I used Shopify to, to host the, the platform for the product. You started really diving into, you know, contacting the health department, what do we need to do to be up to code. And then we found this, uh, so we made a few of them in our kitchen, but we can't sell. In any state, you can't, or at least in Arkansas, you cannot make a food product and then sell it across state lines. You can sell it like farmer's markets, but you can't make it in your house and then sell it if it goes across state lines. So we had to find a commercial kitchen space, which we found in Little Rock. So we were living in Fayetteville, commuting to Little Rock a couple times a week. We'd stay up in this commercial kitchen space that we leased 20 bucks per hour to use their space. And then we'd spend, I think the first night we had a production run, we spent, how many hours was it there? I think it was like 16 hours straight or something. Like yeah. We there at noon and we didn't leave until like 4 the next morning. Yeah, so we were in this kitchen space all overnight for 16 hours or whatever. And then we drove back to Fayetteville. And that was like every single week. We'd wake up. We'd load up the truck, drive to Arkansas, you know, make all these things all night long, drive back. There's a lot of close calls driving because we we're like just exhausted. But we had this, we had a little bit tiny apartment. Now, it was a two bedroom apartment. My office is in, is in one room and our bedroom's in the other. But the whole living room, there's no couches, there's no TV, there's none of that stuff. There's big shipping storage racks and I've got like boxes of ingredients, boxes of shipping supplies, a heat seal gun, all this stuff that you would never expect to see in someone's living room. And we're sitting there making these things, loading them up, coming to Arkansas, or coming to Little Rock, making them, driving back. And then the first time we did a launch, we, uh, we posted it. And then we had, I think we made like 162 bricks that night. Um, so we, we put those on the website, on the Shopify website. And then I sent out an email blast. Um, I made a post on Instagram, made a post on YouTube. And all of them sold out in like three minutes or something crazy. So we turned and looked at each other and I'm like, wow, we are onto something here. Um, so then we took that money, we bought more ingredients. We tried to get better pricing on wholesale ingredients. You know, we stepped 
you know, improving the process. We'd like buy two heat seal guns. We had two people heat sealing these things. We just trying to like find any way we could to make the efficiency that much better, that much more profitable. We were totally losing money. We were hemorrhaging money out. I mean, it was bad. We were spending a whole bunch of money to make a brick that cost a whole bunch of money, and we were losing money for sure. But we just kept seeing all this positive return from it. We'd sell out, people would get them, we'd ship them out super quick, stay up all night shipping them out, and then they'd get them, and then they'd be like, this is freaking awesome, I love it, there's nothing else like this on the market, it's a thousand calories, it's perfect keto macros, when are you going to have more of them? So we'd make some more of them, we'd come back down, I'd get my cousins in the kitchen, I'd get my brother in the kitchen, I even had Chris in there making bricks a few times, um, and then we'd sell them again, you know, the next time we sold out in like two and a half minutes, and then we just kept increasing how many we could make, and then we'd sell out even faster the next time. And I'm like, all right, let's go big time here. So we decided we need to find our own space. You know, we had this commercial kitchen space that we're leasing by the hour, but we had to share it because it's a shared space. So we'd be in there trying to make bricks all night long, and you'd have some other group come in there trying to use the kitchen. So we decided, okay, we got to make our own kitchen space. So we found this place in Bryant, Arkansas, that used to be an old chocolate factory slash bakery. And we had a really good, um, everything that we were looking for was there. Like they had a huge walk-in freezer. Uh, they had like all the infrastructure there. They had to, I mean, it would be pretty easy to go there with the health department and say, okay, go ahead and give us the check off on this location. And that's what they did. We, we got there, we got the lease signed around, um, and they gave us this space. They didn't give us the space, we're paying for this space. And we we're able to increase our production there, so we bought more equipment. And now, you know, we've got, we we're able to produce how many bricks a day? probably 3,000 bricks a day, whereas we were making 162 over 15 hours, we can now make uh, 3,000 bricks in eight to 10 hours. So much, much better than what it was, you know, not that long ago. Question. So we're trying to hire more people. We just hired one a couple weeks ago. We've got another coming to interview with us next week, or not next week, but a few weeks from now. So right now our big bottleneck is just people. We need more manpower. Um, so that's what we're hiring for, more people, more bricks, more revenue, more business, um, more equipment. We've, uh, we, can, we can dive into this too if you want, but there's been several iterations of how we produce these things where like we used to do it all manually. We'd have these bricks and then we'd have people uh, hand wrapping tinfoil on them. And then when you have that, you have the cost of the tinfoil, you have the cost of the labor to wrap the bricks, then you have to heat seal them, so the heat seal bag costs money, the time and labor spent on heat sealing them costs money. So I invested $50,000 that I'd saved up on this flow wrapper, it's called a horizontal flow wrapper. And basically you put these bricks on this conveyor and then it has this foil. This is the same kind of machine that Cliff Bar uses, that any bar uses really. Um, and it basically has this heat seal bag. And right now we're still using these generic labels that my uncle makes because he owns his personalized bottled water business. I get these labels, uh, but we're going to have custom film, so custom wrap. So it's going to look just like a Cliff Bar, except cooler because we're cooler than Cliff Bar. Um, and that's pretty much the biggest, like, significant change from an equipment standpoint. Actually, the, the, the Elf depositor is another big one. So we used to mix everything up in a mixer. Actually, our first production run, we, we mixed everything up with a fork on a single brick basis in a measuring cup. So we pour all the ingredients, mix them with a fork, pour it, that's one brick. And do it all over again 162 times. And then we got this big mixer. And we do it, but then we had to like deposit the stuff into these molds that we use. We had like a pitcher. So we had like just a measuring pitcher basically. And then we'd pour, and then we'd like zero out the scale and pour, zero out the scale. And that just makes your wrist tired. So we got rid of that operation altogether and got this depositing elf is what it's called. And now all you do is push a button and it deposits the exact amount you need into the molds. So that, with this horizontal flow wrapper conveyor, from an equipment standpoint, totally changed the game in our operations uh, and production process and saves us a ton of money in manpower and all that stuff. So now, that money that we've saved from that, we put towards uh, contracted ingredient pricing. So we can get more, we can buy more bulk for the ingredients and get better pricing rates on that so that we can make some money from an ingredient standpoint. What actually is the price of one of the brick of for the For the consumer? So if you buy one brick, just a single brick, it's 12 bucks. If you buy a month's supply, so 30 bricks, it winds up being $6 a brick. So basically it gets cheaper the more you buy it. Um, but the cool thing about our business, I'm going to make a whole YouTube video on this because I feel like it's a really good competitive advantage. You cannot go to the store 
buy all the raw ingredients and make a brick at home for cheaper than you can buy a brick from us because the ingredients are incredibly expensive. The ingredients are very high quality ingredients. So if somebody was to be like, ah, screw keto brick, I'm not going to pay them 12 bucks and pay for shipping, except if you're in the 50 states, you don't pay for shipping because we're awesome. Um, then you went to the store and bought the ingredients, you wouldn't be able to make it for cheaper than you can buy it. And I feel like that's a pretty cool competitive advantage. Um, I know Robert sounds like he's just like a fitness nerd and he only knows about keto bricks, but Robert, he's very humble, but also he's a business genius because he either <laughs> failed at it or mastered it, one of the two. Yeah. He failed at it, he mastered failing at it. So, like, if you guys have a business idea <laughs> or any questions, don't be bashful. Literally just grill him aggressively with the questions. we got about 15 minutes left, and I want y'all to extract every bit of knowledge out of his brain possible. And even if you think, like, there's no way he knows it, he probably does. Ask him. <laughs> so, y'all are all educated because you're in business school. You know that what your revenue amount is versus what your take-home is is oftentimes two very different numbers. Um, but I say I love that stuff. I love... I didn't used to want to have all that overhead. I didn't want to have to fool with it, but now I freaking love it. Like I've got a warehouse space. I love going out there and sweeping my own damn floor because it's my damn floor, you know? Like I love having these things. It's, it's nothing cooler than like seeing somebody post online about them on the other side of the freaking world with this keto brick that we made here in Bryan, Arkansas. It's cool as hell. Go ahead, Dylan. What's your advertising look like? Is it all word of mouth and YouTube or do you go to expos and conventions and stuff like that as well? So I speak at a bunch of conferences within the keto space about nutrition, uh, body recomposition, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so I'll talk about it there. We'll have a booth there, um, and people can come by our booth. You know, we have like advertising there, but the vast majority of it is just organic marketing via uh, social media. So like Instagram, YouTube, uh, the podcast is, is big. Um, and then we just started doing some paid advertising. So like, you know, you might like go to our website and then go to some other Google search and then you'll see us in the sidebar sometimes. Um, but we just started doing that. So, I mean, up until this point, it's basically all been organic. And I don't put much money in paid advertising. So, again, Robert's trying to, we're trying to pick Robert's brain and he's like way too humble and too just horned for him. So he says that he has a ton of overhead, which he does. But if Robert wanted to, he could just be reckless and walk around like a baller like he has tons of money. But he doesn't. And because he doesn't do that and he reinvests all his money back into his business, he was able to, to run up our business with zero debt from day one. And that is huge because, you know, a lot of time we learn in finance classes that when you go to the bank and pull out a million, two million dollar loan, 500,000, whatever it may be, Robert has not done that. And the reason that he has not done that, and you can expand on this, is because the business model that he's created, he puts every single dollar except what the bare minimum of what he needs to live back into his business. That's why. He says he's broke, but it's because any business person that does that is going to grow exponentially because they're able to pocket their income and then reinvest it back into their business. And so can you explain how you were able to do that and what success has come out of that? Yeah, so this is, I was actually going to talk about this, so I'm glad you asked. I was on a podcast uh, yesterday, actually, with a New York startup. It's a nootropic company. And... We talked, we talked about nootropics, uh, so basically brain enhancement supplements, but then we just totally went down the rabbit hole in business because he's an entrepreneur, I'm an entrepreneur, and we just clicked. And he is very much pro-venture capitalist funding. And I can't, if I had a dollar for every time that somebody said we should be on Shark Tank, I'd, I wouldn't need to be on Shark Tank. Um, but so many people go that route. That's what's sexy right now in business. Like, let's go get some VC funding, let's get a bunch of private equity, and let's, let's just go go off, off the chain with it, you know? And we, we have intentionally steered clear of that. And here's why. So you can get venture funding, but then you have to appease your funder. You have to make sure, like, they have an expectation of you of like, okay, I'm gonna give you $20 million, you better make me $60 million in three years, or whatever that winds up being. But then you've got the stress that comes with that. You're basically working for somebody else. The whole reason I got into business in the first place was so I didn't have to work for somebody else. I don't answer to anybody. And there's power in that. And what's even more important is rather than me having to stress about trying to appeal to my venture funder, I can take all that stress, all that energy, all that focus, and put it to what really matters, which is my end consumer. I can take all that stress and say, rather than me focusing on that negativity, rather than me having to deal with that, I'm just gonna make sure I'm adding more value to the people that I'm selling the bricks to in the first place. 
I mean, it's the coolest thing because I don't even have to sell the bricks. Like, they sell themselves. The people that buy the bricks know me, know what we stand for, know Crystal, care so much and so deeply about us that they're advocates for the brand. And I never had to go to venture funding to do that. I would never have been able to do that had I gone to venture funding. People care about the story. They're bought into the story. And if you're spending so much time trying to appeal to some, you know, venture-backed fund, you're not going to ever have that just clean, uh, you know, pristine vibe with your end user that you would if you just bootstrapped it from the beginning. That was my argument there, and I have no regrets in going that direction. So I have, I have two questions. Like, okay, you see, you did a, a multiple businesses. When did you know? Because you, you ever seen that uh, that meme of the guy that was digging a hole and the, the, the diamonds are right there, and there's two of them. One quits, but one keeps going, and he meets the goal. I haven't seen it, but I get yeah, I get the concept. It's like, when do you like when you're doing a business, when you're running a business, when do you decide to like say, you know what, this business isn't going to be successful? I'm going to move on from it. So, <clears throat> first of all, I would recommend going into a business that you have a passion for, like something that you have a passion for. Like none of the businesses that I've done that were just totally there to make money worked because they were just there to make money. I would be doing keto, I'd be making bricks, I'd be advocating this lifestyle if I never made a dime off of it because I believe in it. I feel strongly about it and I want to share that word. And when you do that, you can be much more likely to just continue to do it and sustain it. And people read into that, like people are smart. They can see if you're coming from a really authentic background like that. So for me, it was like, I would, and for what I would recommend for y'all, it'd be to find like if I was going to just start a random business right now from ground zero, like let's say I wanted to get into, um, uh, one, one thing I really got into for a little while is, you know, outfitting a van. We bought a van from this guy right here to use for the brick business. And I'm like, we should live in this thing to save some money. And we're going to get like a couch put in there. We're going to put like insulation up in there and we're going to like make this thing livable. So I started going through all forums and all kinds of YouTube videos about people that do this whole van life thing, hashtag van life. That is a huge business opportunity. If I was to start from zero right now, I'd be like, all right, let's go van life, baby. Hashtag van life on everything. Let's like, document this entire journey of us stripping this van out, putting insulation up, driving every which way, how we make meals in the van. But like finding something you feel passion for, hammering it away every single day so that there is no break point. There is no break point because you would do it anyways. And then when you do that, it just happens, man. It just happens, you know? And uh, my second question is, uh, I have a friend that, uh, that he takes me, he wants to start, like, doing, um, like, protein, a protein business. Mm -hmm. I just sent him your profile, like, we were talking. What, um, but he wants to take the route of, like, private labeling. You kind of said something about that. Yeah. What do you, what's your take on private labeling? So, private labeling as in, like, just taking something and putting your own label on it? Right. Um, With that, man, it's all, about, it's all about who can build a better mousetrap. You know, like there's just no, there's no depth to that business model. I mean, anybody else could replicate it. And when anybody else can replicate it, you're kind of screwed because it's going to happen. People are smart. They'll see that there's an opportunity there. They'll see there's like some kind of arbitrage and they'll jump on it. With me, they cannot copy what I've done. I mean, they can make keto brick. They call it the keto block. My uncle jokes about it all the time. He's going to make the keto block and make millions. But people won't give two shits about it because he doesn't have a story. Like if you have a story and it's happened so organically and you've documented that whole process from ground zero all the way up to where you are now, that is not replicable. And nobody can say that story with authenticity but you. And when you have that, that's the, most, that's the best job security there is, man. So, yep. Any other questions? What you got? No, no, they're not baked. Uh, so we basically take all the ingredients, uh, we mix them together. We, there's cacao butter as the base. We melt down the cacao butter, and we mix everything, and we put them in molds. We put them in the freezer. I'm losing my voice now. We put them in the freezer just to expedite their solidification, but they become solid at room temp. So if we just left them in the molds you know, it, at room temp, they would solidify, but there's no need for baking, um, and all the ingredients are shelf-stable, so the brick itself is good for over a year which is really why it's popular with like backpackers, uh, you know, mountain, mountaineers, hunters, um, just anybody that wants a grab-and-go food. I mean, if you have it like sitting on your dash in the summertime in Arkansas, it's going to melt. But all in all, like it's, it's pretty solid. Is that the multi-day thing or 
So it's 1,000 calories, like I said. It kind of depends on what your macronutrient goal intake is. I eat a lot of calories. I'm training. I've just got a lot of things going on. So I eat one every single day. I have half of one with my first meal, half of one with my second meal, and that kind of helps even out the fat ratio relative to protein, and I'm good to go. With, yeah, I eat it with a meal, but you don't have to have it with a meal. Like if I'm out in the woods uh, hunting or something, I'll just take that and I'll be good with just that. I mean, it depends on what flavor. Like this mocha is our original flavor. This one's got 90 grams of fat, 16 grams of total carbs, and 31 grams of protein. So you're getting a little bit of everything with it. But like I advocate getting you know a good protein source. It's not like it's not specifically a protein bar. It's more of a fat bar. Bar if you had to put a label on it. Um, so like an ideal meal for me would be like a piece of steak or something with one of those to bump up the fat ratio a little bit for the ketogenic diet. So. What's the future uh, of keto breaks in like, uh, let's say in five years, are you uh, planning to build the company and sell it or are you planning to build the company and keep it like that? What actually your, let's say your exit strategy so I'm like a total contrarian when it comes to a lot of formalized business structure because everything they tell you to do, I've broken. And they always say, have an exit strategy. You know, it's like drilled into your mind, have an exit strategy. I don't have a plan B. Like I have my plan A and I'm putting all my eggs in plan A because plan A is going to fucking work, you know. And I'm not going to let it not work. So I don't want to escape the business because I love the business. Like I built it from the ground up. I built it alongside my wife. I've got my employees that were freaking family, like they're my crew. And I don't want to escape from the business that I've built. Like we're super organized. We're like we're refining our processes. So like if I wanted to go on to something else, you know, we're, we're putting systems in place where people can come in and, and do my job while I do something else to grow the whole business more. But I don't ever want to just like sell it off because that would sell the story off like people it would probably still work it'd probably still be profitable but i don't want to follow somebody's story that gets sold off to somebody else and there's no longer their story anymore you know your business scaled up really quickly how do you keep all of your finances organized do you outsource a lot of that out to an accountant do you, do you have a lot so I, I do it all internally i have an accountant um and i re but i reconcile all my books basically my accountants are just to like double check my books and then make sure everything's good I've got all my business bank accounts synced with QuickBooks Online, which I've really come to enjoy. I, I like it. It works really well. I've got everything categorized. Uh, I've got like a credit card, business credit card for all my ingredients. When I purchase ingredients, it all goes through that. Everything's got a specific label, and then it all just synchronizes with QuickBooks Online into my books, and everything's good to go. So my accountant, he'll brush through it. If there's any kind of like thing that I accidentally categorized wrong or it auto-populated a certain category, he'll just fix it. Um, but yeah, it's, it's been pretty, pretty pain-free, really. If you're gonna, let's say, we start a kind of like a business or start, would you actually get into service businesses? Would I get into what business? Service business. Service businesses? Yeah. So I'm kind of doing a service business with like the, the coaching and the consultation. consultation. Um, and I like that, but it's hard to scale. Cause like initially, that's all we did. We just did coaching. Um, but like one person coaching one-on-one -on -one with one other person, it's just like there's like a, a tipping point in which you just don't have any more time. Like at one point, I had 97 clients that I was doing one-on-one -on -one coaching with. And this was before Keto Brick. And I was spending like, this was before we had an office. So I was working at Starbucks. And I'd spend like 10 hours sitting in Starbucks working on one-on-one -on -one, you know, client calls. And I was really glad to have that opportunity because we, were, we went from being super broke to having clients coming in. So that was awesome, but it's just like not scalable. It got to the point where like all these other things that I wanted to do, like build the keto brick once that did become a thing, was starting to like become diminished because I was just stuck on these one-on-one -on -one clients. Um, so I, I always want to keep that up. I want to be able to have that to kind of keep me sharp. Um, I like working with people, but I've scaled that back and I've kind of capped it so that I'm not spending all of my time working on the service. Yeah, so like the cool thing about this is like you start getting momentum and all these opportunities that would never have existed open up for you. So uh, as I started becoming more credible and as seen as someone that, that knows what they're talking about within the keto space, um, a really popular 
nutrition like cookbook recipe company, uh, which is a couple as well, Matt and Mega at Keto Connect, they're like one of the really popular keto recipe uh, gurus. They reached out to me and they said, hey, you know what you're talking about here when it comes to body recomposition and adjusting macros, how about we put our heads together and we'll make an online course, uh, which we did. We did it, it's called Deeper State Keto, and it basically takes people through um, how to lose body fat with a very strict ketogenic protocol, made this into an online course, and that is very scalable. Like it's, it took a lot of time to make, but now that it's done, it's done. Um, so we'll get people that constantly sign up to use that, um, and that's pretty much hands-free for me for the most part. Yes, that's gonna be the last question. But uh, let's say uh, the coaching that you're talking about, are you talking about personal training coaching? Yeah, yeah, personal training coaching. How, how, how someone, uh, let's say I wanna actually start a personal coaching business, what advice would you actually give to me right now if I just wanna get to do this? So you gotta do what you coach. So there's a lot of people that are trying to be coaches now because keto is so popular but they've only been keto for like three months and they're trying to coach people how to do like a competition prep and they've never done a competition prep. So for me, like I, I went very niche on what I specialized in. Like I don't try and bounce around and try and appeal to everybody. Like I went super ultra niche on what I, my specialty was and then I perfected that. Like I feel pretty confident saying that I am the best natural ketogenic bodybuilder out there because I don't know of anybody else that does it. That's very niche but now people know that I am that guy and they'll come to me and they're not, they're not trying to like decide between me and some other person because I am that person. Um, so I would figure out what your competitive advantage is, what your thing is, double down on that and advertise that specific niche thing as your focus. I guess that would probably be as we wrap up. Uh, give us any actually last word of wisdom for like business wise or just for the group members here. Uh, well, like I said, I'm kind of contrary and I go against a lot of things you probably learned in school right now, but playing the long game, chipping away at it every single day, finding something you're passionate about, reverse engineering, uh, reverse engineering your life based off of that passion, and then moving towards that is going to be kind of like the biggest holistic thing that I would recommend. Um, <clears throat> like on a totally side note here, this is my little rant on millennials. Let's talk about millennials for just one second. I think we're all millennials. Well, you're not a millennial, but um, we're all pretty much millennials. What, what is the age group for millennials? Is it like a? 1984 to like 2000, late like, earth, yeah, 2010 or something like that. Born in that window? Early 2000s. Early 2000s. All right, so I feel qualified to say this because I am a millennial, <clears throat> but I've hired a bunch of people now. I've fired a bunch of people now. And y'all are all going to be graduating from college, going to the workforce as millennials. And all these companies have this, not all the companies, but a lot of companies have a negative stigma towards millennials. And a lot of millennials come with this very, very strong competitive advantage. Like y'all grew up with technology. I grew up with technology. We know how to use things that older generations just aren't naturally as gifted at using as we are. And we can take that and run with it. And that kind of comes at a at cost because... We just have this sense of entitlement about us, like, oh, we know how to do this, so just let's demand the stars. These companies don't give a shit about that. Like, they want to see what value you can bring, but you have to be a good person, all right? I've hired people that just felt so entitled that they just think that the world owes them everything, and they feel like because they have these skill sets that they're going to make the business a whole bunch of money. Um, I had one guy, and I hired him for something else, but I had one guy come in, he's like, I need you to pay me $5,000 a month. And I'm like, all right, take this marker, go to my whiteboard, and tell me how you're going to make me $15,000 a month. And he's like, he just stood there because he didn't know what to do. Like, he had no idea how he was going to make me any money at all. But he had the gall to say, I need you to pay me $5,000 a month. So first of all, don't do that. Always have this, like, student mentality. Always respect. I don't care what skills you have. Be a good person. I mean... Don't go in there demanding things. Like my parents' generation, they bragged about how, like my buddy David, who I worked for when I was a kid, he's like, <clears throat> there's a job I wanted, and I worked there for free for eight weeks, ten weeks, whatever it was, because they didn't want to offer me any pay, but I was so passionate about that job that I just worked there for free for eight, ten weeks to prove a point, to prove that I could do it because I was capable and that I wanted to be invested in that company. 
and that speaks volumes. You can't, you know, like that's just not done anymore these days. If you go into any workplace environment, if you start anything, and you have all the skills of the technology that you do, but then you have that old school mentality of like paying it forward, being the best you can be, putting in a you know, good work ethic, that will put you so farther above any of your peers, it'll be just like, it'll stand out and you'll get any kind of opportunity you want in life. Whether it's with another company or building a company yourself, just stick to those basics and you'll be good to go. That's all I got. Awesome. I just want to say real quick, um, the point of us bringing in Alex from last time and Robert now is I'm going to tie that all into the big picture. I don't know if you all attached any, connected any dots, you know, talking about building value. Um, as we continue getting speakers to come in, I think you'll be able to connect these dots and pretty much a successful business all, there's a formula to it. It's all about hard work creating a brand and value for yourself and then showing whoever you're trying to work for or whatever type of audience you're marketing in front of what value you can bring to their life. And if you just work extremely hard and separate yourself from others around you, you will be successful. Um, with these first two speakers, we really wanted to show, we want to start from the beginning and work our way up. So we'll continue to grow in our speakers that we have come in, but we want to show what it's like for people who are at the or in the mid in the middle of their process of success. So Alex and Robert both, you know what, they're at the beginning stages. This is a perfect insight to look at, okay, well, how did Robert first start making money? And Robert, as you can tell, he's an extremely, extremely passionate guy, just to the point of insanity, literally, at times. And, you know, that's all he talks about right now is his business, and this business is his baby. And for those asking, like, are you gonna exit out of it and sell it? I don't think he'll ever do that. But there will come a day you know, this is the private equity and venture capital club. There will become a day when Robert businesses are making so much money, he's going to have to do something with that money. And so he will venture out and do investments. And we've talked about it and do be a, you know, a venture capitalist or invest in private equity and start businesses where he doesn't have necessarily an emotional attachment to. Yeah. Because he does have a passion for business just like I do. And, but he's just not there yet. So he focuses all his time and energy on what's here in front of him, what's here right now, what he can physically change and progress at this moment. Now, a lot of us spend a lot of time thinking about, oh, the future, the future. That's good to set your goal somewhere, but you'll waste a lot of time if that's all you obsess about is just the future. You gotta control what you have right here in front of you and what you can change and work on right now. And this is a perfect example of something that he's working on right now and it's making a huge impact on his life. And Right now, he's in this stage, and one day he'll cross over to the next stage and say, hey, I have so much money, what can I invest in? What do I need to do with it? But he's not there yet. But this is an insight of how he's going to get there. So I hope you enjoyed it. I enjoyed it a lot. Give you another round of applause again. Thank you so much. Appreciate you. Oh, and let me, let me throw out there that Crystal, Crystal is an awesome person. A lot of the things, I can see the background of a lot of things that goes on, and Robert wouldn't be where it is without Crystal. 100%, 100%. She, she needs to be up here life. beside me just as exactly. much as I need to be up here. And she actually has a couple business ventures of her own. They're going to be hanging out. Um, if you want to come up and ask them personal questions or anything like that, I'm sure they wouldn't mind at all. But she's a rock star in her own life. So. And if you all want any of this stuff, it's on the house. Just grab it and go. we got some bricks. we got some bands. we got some shirts and a hat. So help yourself. <laughs>